Welcome to Grace on the Go. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go. This episode is a sermon from June 20th, 2021 called When We Disagree, To Live is Christ, given by Pastor Jonathan Dinger. The scripture passage highlighted for today's sermon comes from the book of Romans, chapter 14, verse 19, and chapter 15, verse 2. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. So if you brought a Bible with you, um, this is one of those days when it's a good thing. Um, is there ever a day when it's a bad thing? Anyway, it's a good day for it. If you have it on your phone or on a tablet or something, Romans 14 and 15. <clears throat> you know, last week I talked from 1 Peter chapter 3, where Peter was kind of really counseling the church, kind of don't insult one another, trade insults for blessings and things like that. And it really, you know, and it's interesting when Peter says, always be prepared to give the reason for the hope you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. And my point, one of my points I was trying to make was, by him saying those things, it meant that people weren't doing it with gentleness and respect. Or, and they were insulting one another, even within the family of faith. So there are correctives here. And these four weeks that I've been doing, or these weeks we've been in, are about how do we disagree? When we disagree, what do we do? How do we say it? So when we, when we disagree, because don't you agree with me, for the last year and a half in our secular world, in our world, we don't disagree well. We just don't disagree well. And I think God's Word really has some info on this. And fathers, I wanted to share a little story. I think this is kind of a cool Father's Day story. There was a guy who um, went into the grocery store and he happened to encounter a young dad with like a little two-year-old and the two-year-old, and he was doing all his grocery shopping for the family, it appeared like. So it was dad and the two-year-old. And the two-year-old, and so they they were going along and he's shopping and the kid was just not very cooperative. He was unhappy, he was a little bit crabby and doing all these different things. And as he's going along, as, um, as he's seeing it, this, this older gentleman is watching him interact with his son. So he was just being real uncooperative. As he passes by, he hears the dad saying very patiently, very gently, now, Billy, this won't take long. They pass in the next aisle, and the, the kid had gotten more crabby. The dad was still quietly saying, Billy, just calm down. We'll be done in a minute. And then they buy the dairy case. He wants ice cream. And dad's still keeping his cool, very low voice. Billy, settle down. We're almost out of here. And then they get to the counter, and they're checking out. Now the kid is, like, just unhinged. And the dad still very calmly and coolly, Billy, we will be in the car in just a minute. Everything will be okay. Well, this bystander was just impressed at the dad's patience and gentleness. And so after he paid for his own groceries, he went out and saw the dad loading up his groceries and his kid, you know, his kid in the car. So he goes over to him, and he heard this, the, the dad say once again, Billy, we're done. It's going to be okay. When he tapped the father on the shoulder, and he said, Sir, I couldn't help but watch how you handled little Billy. You were amazing. And the dad said, His name is Wesley. I'm Billy. <laughs> I am, that's pretty good. I am, I am convinced that Paul probably felt that way with the churches that he was writing to. I'm kind of convinced, especially Corinth. Corinth was a really tough one. And so when he wrote to them, it was big stuff. There was a lot of big, it was a hot mess when he was writing to them. But in every letter, Paul gives encouragements, Paul prays, Paul teaches doctrine, but he also corrects. He gives correctives. 
And that's interesting because in our culture today, it is very challenging to give correctives. You know, it's really hard. People don't receive it very well. And so within the family of God, Paul is doing a corrective here in Romans. And it's interesting, and I'm going to have to cheat here. Mel, forgive me for throwing you this curveball. Can you put up point three first? Do you mind? Are you able to do that for me? Thank you. Paul says it this way. I, I just love this. And so if you have, if, you know, sometime you don't have your Bible, it's okay if you're able to look at it. It's two full chapters at the end of Romans. Two full chapters where he kind of dedicates it to, I'm really longing for you to have unity and peace together. And I don't think it's really, really bad in Rome, but there are some correctives that he needs to get, things that he's heard, things that he wants them to know on how to live together. I think there's some very practical things here for us as the family of God and as we live out our lives, because, boy, it's easy for us to judge fast. It's easy for us to have a critical spirit. It's easy for us to, you know, goodness, I remember... I shouldn't rat on my parents like this. But, you know, growing up in the church, it was interesting. We sat right there where Dave and Connie sit. We sit right there. That was our seat. And, uh, and, and that was back in the day when kids didn't go up for communion. And I remember my parents saying less than gracious things about people as they walked up to communion and came back. I mean, at home later, you know, at home later. Isn't that too bad that that would happen in the church? And I learned that a little bit. I, I learned sometimes I have to really overcome a critical spirit or a judgmental spirit. I have to pray for that. And I have to pray for patience in that way. Quick to judge. It's too easy for me sometimes. And so Paul is speaking, I think, very honestly to the church and to the people of God. And I think it's fair. Now, but I wanted, I wanted to start with this. I should, have, I, I should have arranged it this way. But look at what he says. Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another only eats vegetables. He talks about eating, and he talks about day of worship. Now, it's interesting because Paul says disputable matters. So, in other words, if you want to know, it begs the question, well, what are the non-disputable matters? Well, by the way, you just confess them in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I believe in the Father who created all things, right? I believe in the Son, Jesus Christ, fully God, fully human, right? Those are the undisputable things. We are kind of like not allowed to disagree on those, <laughs> okay? But there are other things like what do you eat? What day do you worship on? And how should you dress? And how long your hair should be? And can you have a tattoo or whatever, right? And those are disputable matters. And Paul says, let's show a bunch of grace here because it's clear that we're not showing a lot of grace to each other. On this, So what does it mean to live as that community? How do we become one? I got to give you this. This is a, I love this joke about disputable matters. He said, uh, once I saw this guy on a bridge, he was about to jump. And I said, don't do it. He said, nobody loves me. I said, God loves you. Do you believe in God? He said, yes. I said, are you Christian or Jewish? He said, well, I'm Christian. I said, me too. Are you Protestant or Catholic? He said, Protestant. I said, me too. What denomination? He said, Baptist. I said, me too. Northern or Southern Baptist? He said, Northern Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist or Northern Liberal Baptist? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region or Northern Conservative Baptist Eastern Region? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region. I said, me too. 
Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1879 or Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. I said, die, heretic, and I pushed him off the bridge. (laughs) There are things not worth fighting over. There are things not worth fighting over. There are things that we do hold dear and for which we don't budge. In fact, today, you're going to hear Chris confess those things to you. This is a good illustration, actually. Chris is going to stand here, and uh, Pastor Settlemeyer, our Idaho vice president, is going to ask him specific questions. Do you accept the Old and New Testament as the inspired word of God and the only rule of faith and practice? Yes. You better say yes. <laughs> and so forth. Do you accept the creeds? Do you accept our creeds as faithful? Do you accept our Lutheran confessions as faithful? Yes, I do, because they're in, they're, they agree with the Word of God. You know, it's those things. You're going to hear that. It's important that you hear that. Those are the non-disputable matters. But there are disputable matters. And I think the devil, the devil gets in this really bad, and our own sinful, broken nature. But the devil loves to work mischief. He's like, oh boy, those... Those guys at Grace Lutheran, they agree on all those stuff. This is not good for me. He says, you know, they agree on who Jesus is, fully God, fully man, that he's our only hope of salvation, that his grace is what saves, that God's word is the only thing that's authority in their life. We know, they know that they're sinners and broken and can't heal themselves, but they ask for God's grace and they know that God has healed them in Christ. This is not good for me. You can just hear the devil. This is not good for me. How can I get him? Let me get them to argue about the color of the carpet. Let me get them to argue about whether you can have drums in worship or whether it's better to have an organ or whether you have to wear a robe or whether, right? Let's get them to argue about if you, can ha- if you have to have chairs or pews. Let's get them to argue about a new hymnal or let's get them to argue about the school or whatever. Let me get them to argue about things that don't matter Because when they become obstacles to Jesus, then they matter. Then they matter. Paul says it this way. So here's how I want to walk through it. I know you looked at it and said seven points. Oh, we're going to be here forever. I know you said that. Let's go through it. Point number one. So disputable matters. There are disputable matters. Things which God has not said, thus saith the Lord. And, And yet, boy, I said it this way in the first service. Have you ever hit a... You know, speed bumps, they're kind of great. I was in Charlotte, North Carolina with a rental car, and I did not know there was a speed bump there. And that was not pretty. Uh, but I have run over a speed bump, right? It's to slow you down. It's to make you careful. But I have, in my life, as a teenager, hit a speed bump at about 60 miles an hour, and the transmission did not survive. You, there, you can't hit the speed bump. So these disputable matters, they're speed bumps. But you hit them the wrong way. And they can overcome us. Okay, So that's why this is worth talking about. And why Paul's guidance is helpful to us. Because it's built on Christ's acceptance of us. As I said in the confession, do you think anything you confess to the Lord he didn't know already? Did you think so? Like he caught him off guard or it was a big surprise? No, in spite of us, God has loved us. And so even in Bible class I was saying... You know, the whole measure of grace is if you feel that you've been forgiven little, you'll love little. If you feel and know that you've been forgiven much, if you've been forgiven much, you love much. 
And we are grateful for that grace. So here's what it is. Number one, Paul starts off, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. He began, right? Accept the one whose faith is weak because without quarreling over disputable matters. He talks about it there in, in the end of chapter uh, 13. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. I love this part. When Paul talks about clothed with Christ, now in our more traditional services and in our more formal experiences, you see me wear a robe, right? And if you come today, Chris will wear a robe also. There's a reason we wear that robe. It's, that, it's this reason. Clothe yourselves with Christ. The idea is not to look at what I'm wearing, but to rather see that I'm clothed in the garments of Christ. You are too, by the way. In your baptism, you were clothed with Christ. So this is a reference to baptism. So first of all, Paul is saying, when we disagree with one another, remember that we're all, this is not a fashion show. Church is not a fashion show. It's not about putting on your best clothes. I hope you get the metaphor I'm using here. Put on your best face, your fanciest face. I, you know, my behavior is perfect and all of that. It's not about that. It's putting on the garments of Christ. We are all one, neither Jew nor Greek, male nor free male. We are all one in Christ. And so it's a reminder that in baptism, we are one. For instance, I, Gabe was talking, we were talking at our men's group on Thursday about when uniforms in the school here was a big debate, getting uniforms in the school, huge knockdown drag out in many ways. I am a huge uniform fan, huge. You know why it is, why I do? Because we don't serve families who all make the same amount of money. And so if you're a family that's struggling to keep clean, well-tailored, well-good-groomed good groomed clothes, uniforms are a, are a gift from heaven because it takes all that away and you're able, your kid is able to come and everyone's the same and you're not wondering who's got Air Jordans and who's wearing designer jeans and who's got the cool warm-up jacket. Everyone is the same. Folks, that's what baptism does for us too. Baptism says we're all in Christ. We're all in Christ, redeemed sinners. And so Paul starts that way at the end of chapter 13. He says, don't forget it. It's not a fashion show. It's our fashion is Christ. We wear Christ. Second thing is this. I love when he says, except the one whose faith is weak. When Paul says that, I stop and I go, thank you, because that's me. And you might look at me and say, pastor, you're the pastor. You have big faith. I go, my faith is like your faith, right? The more I'm in the word, the more I'm with Christ, the more I'm in prayer, God blesses me in that. And then there's times when I'm not as diligent, not as disciplined, when sometimes the devil is at me hard, my own broken nature, my own circumstances. You know what I mean? It's why I love it when you pray for me, as I pray for you and so forth. Um, I love that when he says, accept the one whose faith is weak. Because you know what? If you're reading that, and you stop and you say, yeah, you know, I really, should, I really should be patient with those poor slobs who have weak faith. I should really, you know, be more kind. That, we better think again. Start again. Accept him whose faith is weak. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you have accepted me and that my church accepts me and that we walk together as redeemed people, as forgiven people, grace people, and so I love that. Thank you. Third thing. Oh, was disputable matters. You know, I love that. Because the idea, the idea is those disputable matters can become stumbling blocks to others. But then think about this. Then he says, who are you to judge someone else's servant? Because here's the thing. 
Paul in Romans chapter 1 and 2, if you go back and read that, those are the non-disputable matters. Paul talks about natural law, who is God, we are sinners, we are saved by grace alone, right? Um, you know, when in the world is a broken place, all of a sudden it starts behaving and acting really rotten, and it forgets that God is in charge. That's Romans 1 and 2. You read Romans 1 and 2, and you get a clear list of the non-disputable matters. Now, those things do matter. Please don't read this wrong. What Paul is really saying is, but on those disputable things, may we never let them become those things which keep someone away from Christ. Let me read it this way for you. In chapter 14, later, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. Paul is convinced. And and he says, um, but if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it's unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. I hope you understand what he means, eating. He's using that in a number of ways. By your dress by your choice of the day you worship on, by how long your hair is, by, you know, whatever, those things. Don't allow your choices there. I used this a couple weeks ago where I said, when my Mormon neighbor comes over to my house, I do not defiantly go to my fridge, open it up, and offer him a beer and pop one open for myself. I do not. And I'm going to be your pastor and say, please don't do that. Is it your right to do so? Are you free to do that? Is there liberty that you can do that? Of course, right? Of course there is. But if in acting in your liberty, you do not act in love, it is no longer liberty, but it's enslavement. And Christians will not do that. We are not here to prove a point. We are here to share Jesus Christ, who has loved and accepted us when we were often unacceptable. Is that fair? And so that's the point of this when we talk about this. So therefore, if we're accountable to God, we should seek his standards. Mark Twain made this statement about his father. He says, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. I moved, I went to college so because it was 3,000 miles away from home. And I was astonished to learn at how smart my parents actually were. Every year I was that far away from them. If we're accountable to God, because that's what he's saying. You know, you can misuse these passages, can't you? Oh, we should just live and let live. You know, God accepted me. I accept you. All is good. I don't judge. Please trust me. He's talking about disputable matters. There are other things that are not disputable. But we don't pick a fight here with people. But when he says this, if we're accountable to God, and that's in anything, disputable or undisputable, foundational issues or other issues, if we are accountable to God, and that's who we're accountable to, that's what he says. They're not accountable to you. The person sitting in the chair three rows away from you is not accountable to you. They're accountable to God. When we confess our sins, we don't turn to each other and do this. We confess our sins, and we hear each other say it because we're acknowledging we're all broken. But we are confessing to God. 
And it is not the pastor who's forgiving your sins. In the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus forgives your sins, right? You with me? And so, in other words, if we're accountable to God, then we seek his standard. It makes sense, doesn't it? Not just any old standard, not just what feels right to me, not what my professor told me in college. If we are accountable to God, I want to know what his standard is so that I might praise him. Not so that I might score points with him. Don't need to. All the points have already been scored on the cross in an empty tomb. So therefore, if I'm accountable to God, I seek his standard. So, fifth, if we live, we live for God. We live in thanksgiving and praise. And I had a buddy who was a quality control guy for Microsoft software when we lived in Seattle. Microsoft was still a fairly young company. He spent all his days, every working day, finding out things that were wrong. That sounds like hell to me. I'm not kidding. It's kind of a quality control person. In other words, they weren't looking at it and say, oh, this one is done so beautifully. You know, thank you for making this for the company. It will bless people. That's not, that wasn't what it was. It was, now, you, you can talk to me later about this, about how great quality control people are. It's great. Okay, great. But the nature of it to me is so interesting to me because he would talk to me about this job. He said, well, I found this and I found this. And I would say, and I would say, how are you doing? And he says, well, I know that by catching that, I saved a lot of grief. But he said, it gets a little depressing <laughs> sometimes. And what's interesting is, in the church, too often I watch churches where they seem to just live for themselves. If I live, I live for me. And therefore, you better not encroach on me. It's all about liberty. It's about my liberty, my rights. It's about me. No, no, that's not what Paul says. If we live, who do we live for? We live for the Lord. And so the question is not, I'm just live for the Lord when I show up at this place and I'm in the walls of this church or when I'm doing a church service project or something like that. If we live, we live to the Lord. That's how we live, in thanksgiving and praise. It's not the negative. It's about, here's what God has done. Here's what Christ has done. Therefore, later in chapter 15, accept one another then as Christ accepted you. You know, I love that passage again in chapter 14. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. Do not, in the exercise of your liberty, destroy someone for whom Christ died. You know, it's interesting. He talks about the weak and the strong. Here's the interesting thing. The weak ones were really probably the Jewish Christians who were saying, ah, we're uneasy eating pork. We're uneasy not observing the Sabbath. Some of you guys are eating pork and not observing the Sabbath. And Paul would call them the weak ones because they were not, they didn't fully understand liberty. But then he said the strong ones also make an error. So the weak ones would stand in judgment over the people who were not observing the Sabbath as faithfully or who were eating things that they weren't supposed to eat as Jewish people. They would stand in judgment. But the strong ones, he said, caution you guys because you also might scorn those people. You're not right to scorn them either. So just because you have a right doesn't mean that it's exercise. Liberty without love is not liberty. Liberty with love is what the Christian community is all about. Okay, then here's the other thing. Some of you know, I think, I, I kind of like building projects. 
I kind of like them. You know why that is? It's interesting. You know, as a pastor, you do this week after week after week, and you never know if it's working. You're not quite sure. There aren't really kind of measuring tools for us to be able to say, so is anyone actually really paying attention? Does anyone actually, you know, you just don't know. It's one of those affective things, those kinds of things. But boy, when we build a counseling center, I can go, we did that. And when we could do the sound, we did that. When we build a high school, we did that. And we could see the people it's impacting and see the activity that takes place. I love that Paul uses this term, edification, edification, because what Paul is saying is it's not just to pray for people. It's not just to think nicely of people. Live and let live, by the way, is not a biblical principle. It's not in the Bible. Passive is not Bible. Okay, so what he's saying is building projects. It's time for building projects. Peter said it, remember? Peter said, trade your insults for blessings. Don't just stop insulting. Bless people. It was a proactive thing. This is a similar concept. This is a building project. Paul says it this way, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Edification means building up, encouragement, building up. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. I love this because it's not passive. It's bridge building. It's using that. It's actually building something toward a transformational moment. And that's point seven. He wants to transform. Transform disagreement into something else. Transform hurt and brokenness and loss instead to hope and joy and peace. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's an old story that goes about a father and a son in Spain. And the father's, um, the son's name is Paco. They had such a great blowout and disagreement um, that the son ran away. And the, the son left home and the father set off to find him because he knew that it was ugly and it had been very bad. Things were said that can't be unsaid. It was, it was a bad deal. He searched for his son for months could not find him. Finally, in desperation, he posted an ad in a Madrid uh, newspaper. And this is what it said. Dear Paco, meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you. Your father. On Saturday, over 800 Pacos showed up looking for forgiveness and love from their father. You don't have to look. He's here. The Father's love is here. He has accepted you. Christ has accepted you. He's forgiven you, restored you, and claimed you as his own. You can know the Father's love here. To God be the glory, now and forever. Amen. If you have any questions or comments, email them to podcast at gracepocatello.org. And make sure to subscribe to our channel to stay up to date on sermons and classes at Grace Lutheran Church in Pocatello, Idaho. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go.